by programming C, then you have to use the compiler. So the GCC will be the compiler. Uh, and then you can have the uh, executor hook. So you write a program in um, Java, you can use the Java compiler to compile to bytecode. Uh, it can be considered executable also. So again, it's relative to the platform. If you write a Python, a Python program, it is an executable. Or it is a, something else. A Python program, it is considered an executable. It's not, right. why is that? It's interpreted right, so you need an interpreter to run it. But if you uh, you think about the interpreter, it's the platform for the Python program. So the Python program can be considered executable on that interpreter, right? So uh, it can be many different level of platform. So the hardware will be low, the lowest level. On top of the hardware, you can have the, the virtual machine. So let's say the Java virtual machine. And uh, the interpreter will be somewhere, you know, above the hardware also. So Python can be considered executable if you think of the platform, the interpreter as a platform. Of course, you won't be able to run it on uh, on a physical machine, but you can run Python program on an uh, interpreter. So uh, it's a, a relative, you know, uh, concept. And uh, of course, uh, this is different from uh, data file. So CSV file in Excel, right? So these are data. They are not executable. On Windows, you have uh, EXE, so this is basically, uh, basically the uh, PE uh, format, uh, but the PE format can be used for library also, so not just for executable. Okay. And on Linux, you have a different format, and uh, on uh, Mac, you can have something different as well. So uh, the format, the EXE on Windows, it won't be able, you won't be able to run it on uh, your Linux uh, platform. You can try running uh, your Ubuntu installation. You can go to uh, uh, the window uh, this right you can uh, if you cd to this slash uh, m and t so this is where you mount the, the c and d uh, the this drive window and then you see a c there right you can cd there you can copy a program from window into your ubuntu installation but you won't be able to run it okay and this is something you can try later in the uh, lab accessor look okay for everyone okay. nothing much so uh, script is something uh, very similar to executable, but uh, is uh, the different will be interpretation. So let's say Python can be uh, considered script, although Python is uh, more like a fully functional uh, programming language. But uh, for script, you can normally you use some kind of shell scripting, so it's, it's a bit different. So uh, you need an interpreter to, to run this script. So uh, uh, here we can visualize the problem with it. So here we have uh, the hardware, okay? This is the hardware, this is your computer. And here you have the interpreter. Interpreter uh, uh, here, okay. And then here you have your script. Okay, so this one can be uh, Python, or it can be uh, a bash uh, script. That's up to you. Right? So the script would be given to this interpreter, and then it would run on on the hardware. So when you come compare this to a compile program, so let's say a C program. So here you write a C. Uh, program. My writing is not so good, but you can uh, get the idea, right? So C program, you can do a compilation, compile. Right, you compile into an uh, EXE, right? Uh, not EX again. So just uh, erase this, I put EXE here. 
and then this one can run on the hardware already. So you can see that there are two different ways to do it. So the, the script, you have to go through the interpreter, right? And uh, for a C program or Java program, you can do compilation. And then you can run on the hardware uh, directly. You can run on the hardware. So it's, uh, which one faster? The interpretation or the compilation? The compilation is faster? It depends. It depends on any factor. How fast is your machine? Like the development environment, for example, mm -hmm. the scripting, like for example, in web development, mm -hmm. scripting can be a lot faster with all the libraries that exist. Mm -hmm. Is it faster for execution or faster for development? So we are talking about the performance when you run it on a computer. So these are two different things. It can be faster when you write a code, right? So when you write Python, it's faster. When you write in C, it's <laughs> slow. I mean, you have to do a lot of memory management and so on. Python is way faster to write but it's slower in education. Why? Because I have to go through the interpreter. So let's say I talk to you guys in, uh, in a different language, okay? I have to go through an interpreter, let's say Wendy here. So everything I say, I have to go through her. I say one, one sentence, it has to translate that one. It's slow, right? Uh, but if I do compilation, I can go home, prepare a speech, whatever I want to say to you, in my own language. And then I get a translator, it can be Wendy or anyone else. So uh, she would help me to do the translation into your language. And then when I go to class, I just give you the speech. Faster, right? Way faster, I mean, it's, it's way faster this way. So this is the difference between combination and uh, interpretation. Uh, but why Python is popular? It's slow, right? It's not very fast. Compared to C, it's way slower. Okay, but it's very popular because it's interactive. Because uh, you can do line by line execution. Uh, this is good for data science and uh, machine learning. You want to visualize the problem, you want to do data analysis, right? It's good to have some, some kind of uh, you know, uh, interactive you know, uh, analysis. For C, you, you can't do that. It's not possible. So it depends on the use case. You want to use a uh, combination or you want to use mm -hmm. that interpretation. It's okay for everyone? No problem? Easy? Not too much for you today? We still have more. So today is very intensive <coughs> in terms of our concept. We probably have to stay uh, all the way until uh, after lunch. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> if we have the time. Okay. Let's move on. So again, uh, the term executable will be uh, relative. So when we say uh, the script can be executable, if you consider the, the runtime environment, so let's say you consider the uh, the Python interpreter, right? The Python script would be executable. But if you consider the hardware, Python is not. Okay. Right, so just uh, to summarize the point I, uh, I uh, talked about so far, here we have a slide, uh, a visualization of uh, what we want to do. So here we have the code, right? <coughs> the code can go through compilation, and then you can have an executable. So this one you can run on the hardware. Oops, sorry. The hardware will be here, right? But uh, Java is a bit different. Uh, in Java, you have PyCode. And this is not executable on the CPU. So you have to go through combination also. So here, you can do some uh, combination. And you have the PyCode from the Java program. Anyone do Java here? Do we want to do Java? Yes. A few want to do Java. Java is uh, uh, popular in the enterprise. I would say it's 80% of the solution in that they use that 
uh, is very popular, and not because of the language. The, the language itself is terrible. It's very hard to write. It. It's so, uh, you know, so like, I mean, it's very difficult to write a simple program. You write in Python, it's very fast, right? You write in Java, it will take double at the time. But why is popular? Because of the JVM. So the JVM is a, is a very good uh, piece of software. It's, it's very highly optimized. Because of this uh, JVM, so initially Java was slower than C. I think about 30 <coughs> times slower. A typical program in Java is 30 times slower than C. When it first uh, invented, in uh, maybe about 30, 40 years ago. But um, because of the optimization in this uh, JVM, now we have a um, very comparable form. And the good thing about this is that uh, you can run anything on this JVM. You can write your program in any language. And you do combination into a uh, bytecode, <coughs> and the bytecode can run on this JVM. So it's a very portable platform. It can be used on Linux, can be used on Windows, everywhere. Why one? Run anywhere. Uh, that's why Java is popular. Not because of the language, it's because of the education. The Java version machine. Okay. Anything you want to clarify for this? It's a bit different, so the JVM would run the <coughs> on the hardware. So it's, it's a little bit different from, from the uh, C compilation. Uh, and here, the, the last way is that we have the, the interpreter, right? So here we have the script, let's say Python. So Python is considered a scripting language. Or you can, you know, you can do a bash, for example, anything you want, want to do. Right? <coughs> and then the interpreter would run the code line by line on the CPU. Three different ways to do it. And uh, the most uh, popular way for now would be the middleway. Point. Uh, because why one run anywhere? If you have bytecode, you can run it anywhere. Uh, you don't care about the platform. Look okay for everyone? Concept easy. No problem, too much for you to drive today. Let's move on, or you need to go for a break. I think we can move on a bit more, right? Until um, I think 10 30. Uh, sorry, 9 30. Maybe, <laughs> no, no, not 10, 10, 10. We need to go for half one hour and a half. So it's just a little bit more than one hour, so we have to go for a bit more, if you don't mind. Okay, okay. Okay. So uh, whenever I talk about this, I mean, it's, uh, it's not easy. I imagine that I have to uh, to, uh, to do the whole course on uh, compilation for, for the computer science student. So uh, in that video, they did this class, right? It's very, very dry. And um, out of 300 students, right, only about like 20 would come to the class. And uh, half of them will be sleeping. <laughs> 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 so, but uh, eventually, uh, they all pass the exam. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, yeah. Because they never they have, uh, they don't have a compulsory attention. Yeah. So, yeah, 300 will be uh, on video. And half of them will be uh, eating, sleeping, just
So uh, these are important for code reuse. Okay. On Linux, you have the same concept, but it's a different format. So uh, if you want to use a library, you have to refer to the uh, interface. So the interface is uh, so it's API, I mean it's application programming interface. Right? It's just uh, a context and given to the programmer. So this is how I implement my uh, my function. You can use it using this context. Right? So let's say you use Python, right? You have the, uh, the learn function, so this is for you to get the length of a string. Or you count how many items in your collection. So the learn would be uh, uh, having a parameter, right? And then this is the parameter, right? And then uh, this is the return time. You need to know what the function would return to you, right? Return time. Okay. So before you call an API, and then learn is an API, given by the library uh, string in Python, for example. So this is the API. This is the contact given to the program. You need to know the return type. You need to know the uh, parameter for the API before you can call it. So you've seen this one before, right? So the lady say, I, I, told, I told him to call me. So the guy happened to be a programmer. So uh, what the, what's next? See this one before? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, he asked me about the uh, my parameters and return type. So, uh, <laughs> if, you want, if you want to call something, right? You need to know the, the parameter. And you need to know the return time. Get it? Wow. Only the ID shouldn't be. <laughs> 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 okay. Alright, so uh, this is ABI. I mean, we implement ABI using library. Right? So the library is just, you know, the, the file. Uh, the DL is just the file, right? And this is the actual implementation for the ABI. ABI is something you define. And library is the implementation. So uh, when you want to uh, to backend everything, you have to uh, you have to consider the uh, operating system. So this is where your program will run. Your program can run in in an operating system. So it's just a very basic concept for it's a low level software system. So imagine the hardware is here. Okay, this is the hardware. Okay, and this is your program. Your program is here. Okay, and the OS will be something in, in the middle, right? OS be here. So whatever you do, you have to go through the OS, so, and the OS would do, uh, would run your stuff on the hardware. So it's like a, a middleman to control the hardware resource. And because you have more than one program, so it's not just your program, there can be another program. Another program here, it would run and go through the OS also, right? And the OS would do this kind of hardware allocation and uh, resource management. Without the OS, you won't be able to do anything. You have to talk to the hardware already. Of course, you need somebody to, to manage the hardware. So this is the role for the OS, and you have many different versions. Uh, which is the most uh, popular OS right now? There are a few options here. Which is the most popular? Windows. In terms of installation? Windows. Android? Windows? Windows is popular, right? Android is the most popular because of the device, number of devices. Uh. But I would say that Linux would be the, the, the most popular one. Why? Because Android is very on Linux. Uh, so you have to cut this one into this uh, Because the, the source code for Android is uh, based on Linux. It's a virtual Linux. 
And it, uh, if you shut down the kernel, uh, the computer crash. Uh, the kernel will be the program running all the time. And it's uh, ready to take commands from the system. So this is where the, the core services of the OS will be uh, provided. Okay, you can do interaction with the kernel using the command line. So this is what we did for the last session. We try to do CD and uh, uh, move here, move there, and so on. So these are the commands you send to the, uh, the core of the OS. Any questions so far? <coughs> Too much for today. So let's try a few more questions uh, before we go for a break. Okay. So uh, just to have you uh, summarize uh, the, the concept we talked about so far. So we have uh, four questions on VUCA. So you can, uh, yeah, you don't have to pay attention for the whole class. You just have to go for the question. It's a good summary of whatever I talked about. Right, so let's have a look at these uh, questions uh, very quickly. Right. Sorry, this one is uh, for the previous one. So just uh, we miss out this one, but uh, you can try this one now. I mean, this is some concept for the earlier uh, part. Okay. I miss out this question for, for, for the last uh, session. Wait, wake you up. You, uh, wow. Wow. Cool. Well, it's an easy, very uh, device. <coughs> so we talk about continuous and delivery. You try to deploy software uh, very uh, frequently, right? So uh, you do it in small iteration. You don't want to do the whole package. Uh, so you have one new feature, release it, deploy it, and later enable it for user use. Right? So this is continuous and delivery. You do this all the time. You don't wait until development finishes and you have fun. No, you, you try to release a feature by feature. Two, so, I don't follow uh, the majority. They may be right, but they may be wrong. So, but you have two options. It's easy to choose. Of course, any, any solution here, you need justification. But it's like In the exam, you want justification. If you can justify. Let me show you the uh, correct solution for this one. This is not correct one. You do it more frequently, so by intuition you think that it would be uh, less stable. But uh, evidence shows it's, uh, it's different. Because you can do more uh, delivery, you can get more feedback. And the more feedback you got, the more chance for you to improve the system. Right? So the next release will be more stable. So evidence shows that uh, continuous delivery help improve the stability for the system. So this is a, a practice in the industry. Otherwise, I mean, they won't use it yet. Uh, yes, delivery to the production environment. Uh, CI is the... Uh, the integration can be done before that, and then you can deliver. I mean, the, the delivery will be... Uh, Everything you want to deliver the software integrated to you know uh, to the production. Yes, you do it more frequently. You run the higher risk of like bugs, but then because they do it in the phase form, so they reduce the chance. That's true. But when that that's the case, then you you definitely uh, if those users are in the phase, mm -hmm. they do get the stability and the issues. 
they can have some issue initially. So let's say because you don't do this in a big change, right? You do it for small, smaller, smaller changes. So the first few are badges, right? You can have problems. But you can get the feedback. And over time, there's stability will improve. Yes, in general. Of course, for the first few release, of course, you may have some issue. But you get the feedback, you continue to improve. So that's why they want to do this all the time. But you just wait until you have to do it, right? Of course, you have a lot of problems. So evidence show that uh, continuous continuity can be better for, for stability. Of course, you can say otherwise, but you, you, you have to justify it. Um, in your yeah, in your own house. I, I guess if you do it like in the what's that? Um, all house. Mm -hmm. All the users. Okay. Then you definitely won't get the stability. Of course, if you want to do this, right? You want to uh, do a phase, uh, release, phase deployment. So then you don't want to release that they, they change to everyone. You want to release to a subset of users, get something back, improve, and then release it more. So uh, there, there are, I mean, normally you do a continuous delivery. You want to do it in a, in a phase. Uh, that one might not You don't want to do a big one. You don't want to everyone to see your project. Okay. Any other questions? Let's move on. Look at an easy one. Very easy, right? Oh, all the way from Okay. Faster, faster. We have a time limit. Just anyhow take, uh, I mean, <laughs> 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 only two options, I mean, uh, the chance will be very high, right, you can uh, just take anyone. <clears throat> two or four. It's easy to down. So normally for executable, we, uh, we see that it can only contain, you know, the, uh, the physical CPU instruction. But you think about Python, it is uh, executable. We mentioned about that earlier, right? It's a relative, yeah. it's relative. So uh, let me show you the result. Oh, all right, right? Because uh, in the executable, you may have data also. So in some executable, you can have data, not just a physical CPU instruction. And a Python can be considered executable on the interpreter, not on the physical machine. Right? So the term executable would be a relative uh, definition. So there's nothing. Uh, absolutely ethical. Okay. Let's move on. This is an easy one as well. So we'll talk about this one before, unless you uh, didn't pay any attention. So for the script, is it as slower? Or if they run the same machine as the uh, combination, a uh, compound, uh, binary? <coughs> Can they have the same performance? How about the last option? Nobody wants to use it. You need to do combination, it will take time, right? So we take a time for combination. So if you read like that, we can do this, right? So we tell you in a bit. Then you select the, the wrong option. <laughs> That's not my problem. <coughs> It's uh, suddenly reduced, uh, okay. So uh, when you do combination, it will take time, right? But what is it in the last one, not two? It's not counted, right, for the running time. You compile first, you run later, so we are talking about running time only, right? So it's not counted. Okay. So the first one will be the correct option because you have to go to the interpreter, it's slower. 
I talk to you too, an interview that will be way slower. Huh? So it's just a few hours, we take uh, six hours for the class, and we want to do that. <laughs> Last one. So we do ADI. It is good for code review. Another easy one, would say. <coughs> Open your lab documentation. This is the one. 
if you want to be fast, you just boot shoe, right? And then you can do a tap. Tap it. And then you have a lot of options for you. So just sudo, uh, sorry, cat first. I forgot the cat. I don't like cat. Okay, etc and sudo. Uh, sudo. Right. So just tap it, you have everything. Right. So in, in Linux, you don't have to type the whole command, you can do a tap. So you have to complete the command. So you do cat it, you have to enter the password. What's the password? That's a problem. Okay. You uh, don't remember your password, you have a problem. So here, I mean, you can see the content for the pseudo form. So this is just to view the content of the form. OK. Look OK, everyone. So now you can, uh, you can see the permission for the pseudo file. So the LSL will show you the permission. You want to do LL, so can I mean LS? L, uh, etc, sudo, right? So you look into here, you see here we have uh, a number of characters in front here. So these are the permissions for the part. So the permission here say that, you know, uh, the owner can read and the user the same group as the owner can read also. And uh, nobody else can do anything. If you see the dash, meaning no permission. If you see the R, right, it's a read permission. And the first dash will be for the file or for a directory. If it's a file, it's a dash. If a directory, it's a D. Right? So if you do a LL, home, uh, my directory, you can see that if you have a directory, you have a D in front. right? The D is for directory. And the dash is for a file. And uh, let's look into this. Is it clearer, easier for everyone to see? Right. <coughs> you see here that, that we have uh, three group of permission. The first three characters will be for the owner. If you can read, you have an R. If you can write, you have a W. If you can execute the file, you have an X. So uh, these are the three bit. It can be one, one zero, one, 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 and so on. So this is how we can uh, handle permission in, in uh, unit. The next three will be for the group any users in the same group of users as the owner. The first three are for the owner, the next three are for the group, and the last three would be for anyone else. So in this case, for the group, you can read, right? You have one R, and for anyone else, you can read also, but you won't be able to write. So uh, these are how you know you need to handle them. <coughs> it's uh, very easy and straightforward, you don't have to do any writing, and it's very, uh, clear and easy to manage. It's very secure also. Right? So now, uh, you, if you understand this permission, it is uh, too fast for everyone. It's okay, right? You can go through this again, or any problem that you have. Not too fast, right? So now, uh, go back to your home directory CD. Yes, right? And now you have to, uh, you have to confirm where you are every time, right? Because you can get lost along the way. In the home directory, and then you try to do uh, a new directory. So mk uh, here. So this is for you to make a new directory. Visible to anyone? See right? Make directory. The name is uh, deploy. So this is where you store the application for deployment data. So just make the directory, and then after this you can do lsl again. You see now we have one new directory in there, right? 
and then we mission is not so nice, right? You see, everyone can read, write, anything. I don't want. I don't want you to go into my computer and do that. So I have to change the permission. So changing permission, you have to use C mode. Easy for you to change the permission. That be too fast. Okay, C mode, and then you can boot five seven zero. Why five seven zero? Because the seven is for you. The five for anyone in your group, and the zero is for anybody else. So the seven minutes have everything. All the three bits be one, one, one. Remember the first one zero, right? If you have three bits, uh, if you have all the one, then it's uh, seven. Okay. And for the group, you have five because you want them to be uh, able to read. You want them to execute. The directory needs an execute permission. Otherwise, you can't open the folder. But you won't let them to write into this folder. So this is the five. And the zero, you don't want anybody else to do anything with the folder. So C mode, uh, deploy. Okay. And do LS or L again. Look okay, right? So we have the position are totally different, really, right? You see this one? And this one, they are totally different. So now uh, you can do anything you want. You have three permissions. Uh, the group, I mean your group, they can read, they can execute. But the other, they won't be able to do anything. Permission will deny if they try to do that. And the execute will be necessary for directory. Because without this, you, you can't open the directory. You can't list the content inside. Look OK. So this is a few uh, a very basic uh, linear uh, command that uh, you need for this uh, development directory. Everyone can uh, can do this, right? Okay, otherwise you can refer to the manual or just let me know. Or let the, everyone know that, that, you, that we can help you. Okay. Right, so this is for you, uh, for your reading. Explaining the, uh, the option for the command. So you can have, um, you, if you want uh, more information, you can look at this. So now if you don't have proof for Ubuntu, you don't have proof. For Mac OS, you may have to do that. So if you don't have it, you have to go and do the installation. Okay, it should be easy. Uh, let's start the installation. And um, let it run. But uh, I think before the installation, it's better to do the update first. Okay, let, let me go through this with you. So uh, this is to, to avoid any problem you may have. Uh, with your installation, so try to do this one first. Uh, copy the command, so just select the command, uh, right click, uh, copy, copy, right? You don't have to type everything here, just copy anything. And then you can go here and right click. Oops. Right click here, oops, something wrong, normally you can do this. So today the computer is a very tired. Okay. Yeah, copy and paste is, uh, is uh, entirely possible. Just copy, control C, and here, right click. But I don't want that. The dot in front. Okay. So uh, for uh, Windows, you have to do it. Okay. Update first. Okay, this is for Windows. Everyone do it now? Whether you have a computer or not. For Mac, you can do this. Approve. Update. This is for Mac OS. Uh, for Mac, it's a bit of uh, optional, but later you can see some issue, and then you can update also. But for Windows, you have to update. For Windows, again, uh, sudo, abt, yeah, so this is the package manager, update. Let's do it, and then you can go for it. 
你要别补贴好不好？Okay. So uh, after you put in the command, uh, you are very ready, you can go for a break. Maybe just a uh, 10 minutes. Get some break, get some food, come back in. I'm doing the upgrade command. Check room installation though. Make sure you know. Oh, that's installing. Oh, this is a, a, a package in Even with the cloud, uh, you do have a problem in terms of the uh, resource uh, utilization. Right? And uh, the building is not uh, very accurate. So last time per hour for EC2. So even you use one second uh, for your instance, you still have to wait for the whole hour. Uh, but now it's uh, what's in the, the building for EC2? Anyone know? Nobody care about the building? So money is not a problem for you? It's per, per second, I mean, it's a minimum is one minute. So it's much better than last time, but still, I mean, it's not free. And uh, you see, most of the time, you have to keep the server up running for, for how long? For, for, for months, for, for years, right? And then you have to pay for all these cloud resources. So if you are IO, I mean, you still have to pay. And there's a real problem with, uh, with the infrastructures uh, as a service cloud these days. The same thing applies for platform as a service, because you have instant for in, in platform as a service also remember uh, the big photo uh, configuration so you have to specify the number of instance you want to use for auto scaling so uh, the billing for, for platform as a service is more or less the same in this way and you're wasting a lot of money for this right? so uh, if your workload is vastly uh, in this way it's not good right? so this is only suitable let's say if your application it's a scientific application, so let's say you run this all the time. So this is the chart again, and all the time the utilization is very high. Right? So in this way, I mean, it's, it's worth the money. There's no other time. It's mere, it's a utilized, you know, all the resource given to you. But in uh, in only in some scientific application or maybe simulation, uh, machine learning, but you have to train the model, right? You have to train for a few days. After this, you have to set it up. It's okay, right? But for web application or for enterprise application, this is not something you want to use. But uh, we are still using it because why we have no choice. Right. So um, that's why I mean we want to go for, for something new. Uh, and uh, this new thing is a serverless option. So you only have to pay when you use it 
to reverse uh, Bayes Hugo. In the current world, I mean, is uh, if your enterprise application, I mean, you, you have to wait a lot uh, for for the hydro time, right? and uh, it's very hard to uh, to have this car, but you know, truly, Bayes Hugo. Because it's not Bayes Hugo. I mean, even if you don't use it, right, you still have to wait for it. So this is not based at Hugo. You have to wait for the whole duration. And uh, when your, your instance is uh, idle, no traffic at all, you still have to wait. So be sure to look at the course, you know, idea of one. See any problem? Extending view. But I won't do anything about that. Okay, uh, make sure to monitor, you know, the course of your building. Your uh, what's the solution for this? We want truly made as you go, right? We don't want this. And uh, we have a way to uh, realize this. So we take away the server. We kill the server. No, the server is dead in a uh, server earth. But it's still there, right? It's still alive. But you don't see this anymore. You don't have to do server management anymore. So that's why we say the server is dead, but the server is still alive. It's behind the scene. Uh, we, we don't have to manage it anymore. So similar to the way you said, the team is dead, uh, long live. The team, something like that. So it, yeah, the server would never die. You just don't see this anymore. Okay. So um, in um, AWS, uh, they introduced this uh, serverless option uh, a few years ago. So exactly 10 years after they first introduced uh, EC2, they have this new uh, Lambda service. And this is a serverless uh, computing option. And they refer to this as a cloud function. So uh, another name is a function as a service. Uh, for serverless, we have many different offerings, but in this uh, course, we just look at you know the function as a service. Uh, because this is the most popular one. So in uh, function as a service, uh, what you try to do? You just try to write a function. I mean, as a developer, you write a code. Let's say just a Python function. You know how to write Python? So just dev, do something, right? And then you throw the function to the cloud. And whatever uh, else would be uh, handled by, by the cloud provider. So the provision, the auto scaling, the management, the availability, all can be done by, by the cloud provider, and you don't have to do anything. Another way for you to, to deploy your group project would be try to repackage uh, the cloud application, or the OS ticket into a uh, serverless you know, function, and then you just throw to uh, Lambda, right? You don't have to do anything now. Easy, right? You try to do this another time, next semester, perhaps, so no, we want to do this. Okay, so we just write the code and the rest will be handled by the cloud provider. So uh, the definition, I mean, two key features. The scaling will be done automatically. You don't have to configure it. You don't have to do anything for the scaling. Uh, the more the user will be, uh, the more requests, uh, the, the cloud provider will provide the auto-scaling automatically. So you don't have to worry about, you know, your function will be overloaded. So it's just a piece of code. And if you have more requests, uh, executing the code, right, the more server will be provisioned to, to handle the execution. And uh, the billing would be uh, very accurate. So when you use it, you pay for it. And the time scale can go down to uh, uh, 100 uh, milliseconds. So you see the minimum uh, you need to pay for. Right, so that, let's say your, your code runs for uh, 10 milliseconds, you have to pay for this uh, 100 milliseconds. If you run for one second, you have to pay 10 times this amount. It just like that. And if no user, let's say, you know, no, sir, no user using the service, uh, you don't have to pay for anything. That's good, right? 
So the, the cost can be uh, very, uh, very low compared to a platform as a service or infrastructure as a service. So this is something that see later in an activity. Okay. So these are the two key features for, for serverless. So the scaling is something that uh, you, know, you don't have to, to care about. It will scale automatically. And the billing will be uh, truly uh, made as you go. Whenever you use it, then you have to pay for it. If you don't use it, you have to pay nothing. So we can scale down to zero, zero resource. In uh, infrastructure, in a platform as a service, if you can't do this, right, at least you have to have one instance running all the time. But in uh, serverless, you can scale down to zero, meaning you have nothing running. It's okay, but you're always ready to, to accept a new request. So this is the, the, the difference. Any questions so far? You okay with so you can do this before you do project and you can do a serverless uh, deployment. It's not that easy, uh, of course, you have to revive the whole application. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we have no time to, to do development here. Okay. So uh, in uh, serverless, uh, you have to write uh, code, let's say in Java, in uh, Python, and something like uh, And then you have to select a trigger event. So this is uh, event-driven uh, programming. So let's say user they upload a photo uh, to your website. And the code will be triggered. So let's say do some kind of uh, further processing for that photo. So whenever you have the event, right, then you can run the code. If you have nothing, no request from the user, then you don't have to run anything. So um, uh, behind the scene, uh, the provider will do everything. I mean, it choose uh, the type for the instance to run your code, uh, deployment of code, right, the scaling, um, the maintenance, the photo, and everything will be done by the cloud provider. You don't have to care about it. Okay. Right, so when we compare this to a traditional cloud, uh, let's say uh, EC2, for example, so we refer to this as a server full. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's uh, EC2. Okay, and we say serverless, we're running the code without uh, resource management. So when we see we have two key differences. We have to pay for resource we actually use. So again, this is truly based as you go. Uh, in EC2, you pay for whatever you are allocated. So let's say you provision a new EC2 instance, you have to pay for that instance, uh, whether you use it or not. Right? So these are the two different um, concepts. Uh, for serverless, you pay for what you actually use. Uh, for server full, you pay for whatever uh, you are allocated. Okay, right? So you see the cost can be very, very different. Right? And um, in um, Serverless, we take away the test storage. So it has to be a different service. If you provision one EC2 instance, what you can see? You have to attach the storage into your server, right? So when you start a new instance, you have to select the uh, EBS uh, storage volume, the 8 gigabyte. So uh, the compute and the storage are come together in EC2. But in serverless, we, we try to keep these two away. Uh, the function as a service just for computation. If you want to have a storage, you have to use another service. Okay, so this is the key difference uh, between server full and uh, serverless option. Anything to clarify? Do okay for everyone? Okay. Right, so let's go through some example uh, for us to see how they are uh, very different. So on uh, EC2, you can see that uh, the program is run. Uh, when is it? It's all the time. You have to start your server, right? 
and the program would be uh, there, running, waiting for request all the time. Right? But for serverless, uh, when you have an uh, event, uh, user send in a request, user upload a photo, user delete a file, for example, right? and then your code will be running. Right? So you see the difference, I mean, it's uh, event-driven, and for server full, I mean, you have to run the program all the way, uh, waiting for request. So here is a bit uh, tricky in terms of the state of the program. So on uh, in, in serverless, you have to keep the, the state on the storage. So that the code would have no state at all. Whenever you invoke a function, let's say uh, in the first invocation, you have a variable A, and the value for A is uh, 0, for example. The second time you do this invocation, A is still 0. If you never keep the value for A, then the, the, the value for this uh, variable will be gone. So every time you invoke, you execute the function, everything will be uh, back to scratch. Right? So uh, the program never keeps the state of the previous invocation. If you compare to server full, let's say the first time you run this, A is 0, right? And then let's set A to uh, 1 uh, in uh, the uh, second time of the invocation. The third time you do this, you can set the value A to 3. So the, the state for, for the value A will be kept in a server full program because you maintain the state inside the memory. Remember this right? in Python, for example, you run the program, and during the, this runtime, uh, the state for any uh, variable uh, will be maintained. So we, uh, we refer to this as uh, stateful. We keep the state uh, between different invocations. But for serverless, we don't do this. I mean, every time you do this, everything will be set to run. To, uh, to, to, uh, to the beginning. Right. So we don't give a value unless you store the value onto a storage device. So you see the difference between stateless, the stateless, and the, the stateful uh, programming. So for stateless, any state you want to keep, you have to save into a storage. For stateful, I mean, you assume that the, the state for the program will be inside memory. Right. So um, it depends on what kind of application, but uh, normally for stateless, it's, uh, it can be easier for you to uh, design and structure your program. But again, it's, uh, it depends on what you want as well. So on serverless, we have some option to uh, limit the runtime. Let's say you know you can't run for more than uh, 900 milliseconds. Uh, sorry, seconds. Why? I mean, you don't want to have uh, an attack on your system. So let's say you know you have uh, a denial of service attack on your function. So it would run, you know, for 900 seconds and it can stop. But let's say for a server full, let's say EC2, uh, you would be there all the time, right? Uh, for the attacker. Right? So uh, if you have more requests, you can scale up more server and so on. But uh, there's no limitation. So that can be a problem also because you can spend a lot of money in case you have an attack. So uh, for serverless, you have some kind of limit. So you can stop the, uh, the attack after a while. So uh, the rest of the thing would be uh, just uh, some configuration. You can select the size for the memory. And uh, for the billing, I mean, here you can see that you pay for uh, the minimum 100 milliseconds. Uh, so this is more uh, very close to pay uh, as you go. For EC2, you have to pay for one minute. But uh, this is not everything. The point is that you have to on your server uh, for the whole duration. It can be one day, it can be one month, it can be uh, for a year, right? So you have to keep the server on on all the time. And you can see the difference in cost will be uh, very uh, significant later on. Okay. So the rest of the thing I mean in EC2 you have to do uh, 
OS selection, you have to select uh, the type for instance. Uh, you have to be uh, responsible for hardening, patching, monitoring, and so on. But uh, these kind of tasks, uh, the cloud provider can do for you everything in uh, several days. You deploy the code, and then you don't have to worry about it. Look okay? Right. So this is the comparison between serverless and uh, EC2, which is something you are very uh, familiar with by now. Okay. How about uh, platform as a service? So we use uh, Vivoto before in the course, right? So how we compare serverless to uh, Vivoto? I remember in uh, Vivoto, you don't have to uh, manage the server also. Very uh, minimal management. So again, the common thing is that developers have to write the code, right? But they don't do any server management. So these are the, uh, the common things between the uh, serverless option and the uh, platform as a service option. Okay. But in uh, Vivoto, when you want to do auto scaling, you have to do this uh, manually, right? remember? You have to uh, go to the console. You select a maximum number of instances you want to give for this application. Remember last time we, cho we chose a four, right? And then you have to uh, specify the minimum one which you want. Okay. So for auto scaling, uh, you have to do uh, your own configuration. Uh, it's not transparent. It's not easy to do so. Why? Because you have no idea how many servers you want. Right? So how would you know that four server is enough? You have no idea about that, right? Yeah, maybe ten server will be enough, but you have no idea. Right? If you put ten server, uh, let's say you have one attack, I mean, then you have to pay a, a lot of money for, for this kind of attack. Right? You have a denial of service attack, then you have to pay a lot of pain. But for, for serverless, you don't have to do this, and the scale would be done automatically. So you don't have to do any prediction in terms of the number of users for your service. So let's say for a startup, uh, this is very good. Well, you don't have any, uh, you don't have to do any uh, uh, prediction in terms of uh, demand for your application. So if nobody uses it, it's fine. You don't have to pay anything. But if a lot of uh, users for your service, uh, for your new service, right? Of course, it would scale automatically. So this is a very good option if you want to develop a new service uh, from scratch, because you have no idea how there's the demand for this kind of service. So for startup, I mean, uh, serverless would be a, a very good, very compelling option because. Uh, nobody can create what would happen at the application. Right. Right, so uh, for the scaling, in um, even in platform as a service, it will take a while. So you see that if uh, the attack coming in too fast, right, the application can crash right away. And the scaling for for uh, serverless will be more or less uh, instantly. Because it's just a function, right? I mean, it's, it's easy for, for the cloud provider to do the scaling. And you don't even have to care about it. So in a platform as a service, you can have a bit more control because you can select your, you know, your platform, let's say the library, the development environment, but for servers, I mean, you have no control. Uh, the, the provider, they can provision your code, they can deploy your code to anyone. So you have uh, no control in terms of that. Okay, any problem so far? Okay, so you can see the difference between a platform as a service and a serverless option. And uh, from here, uh, let me summarize uh, the key features. So auto-scaling for serverless will be more or less instantly. And uh, you can go down to zero, meaning you pay nothing for your application. Uh, for platform as a service, you still have to pay. You have, you have to specify the minimum amount of instance uh, you want to maintain for your application, right? So minimum has to be one. You cannot go down to zero. 
for the price in here or for serverless, we can do a truly based on Hugo because uh, uh, you you made by per execution, not per instance, right? So here you have to pay um, every time the code is uh, run, otherwise you don't have to pay anything. Okay. So uh, for now, uh, if you have no problem, we can compare the calls for these uh, three different services. Right? So here we have um, a small activity for you to work on, so you can do this in a team of uh, two to three. So we can look at this uh, calculator here. So this is the course for, for the Amazon Lambda calculator. Okay. And we consider this application, we have uh, 60 requests uh, per minute. Uh, this is not a lot of requests. So you say one request per second, so this is not very, uh, very much right, for your application. Um, but uh, sometimes you can have a lot of requests, sometimes you have no requests. But on average, let's say you have a 60 per minute, and every time you run one request, it's 100 milliseconds. Okay. And we assume that uh, the uh, request can be run on the instant with uh, half a gigabram. Okay. So this is very similar to the T3 nano instant, so this is on EC2, server full option. And um, you can do the same calculation for Vivoto as well to see how the calls are different. Okay. So this one should be easy for you to, uh, to work out the calculation. Just go to the website, enter some number, and see how they compare. Is it very hot at the back? Very hot, right? Number one. How come? Echo is on, right? I sent it to uh, Thank you. It's one. Yeah, it's more like, uh, more like a 27 degrees. It's hot all the time, right? Every time you hear No, right. Last time, no, Yeah, pretty hot. So better stay home and do uh, web apps. Better, right? Nobody want to do web Anyone want to do online? After they reset, they want online. Online is easier, right? You don't have to go anywhere. No, no easy. You can ask questions. I see more questions. I see more questions coming in because uh, now I'm talking here. Nobody asks any questions. But on uh, during the, the online session, a lot of questions. Yeah, but one minute. Yeah. One minute. Just one second is one thousand minutes. Didn't we do this before? I don't know how to compare. Can you count? Three thousand minutes. One minute. Three thousand minutes. Then the execution time for this question. Hundred minutes. Okay, we assume a month is thirty days. Yeah. So there is two million plus request. So it's 60 Enter number of okay, for long you can enter the user to this calculator, right? Oh yeah, that's two million. So the number here can be uh, 
Okay. Number of executions. Which is uh, 60. Uh, but minute, right? So you type with uh, 60 minutes. Uh, oops, sorry. I can't see anything there. Okay, and then you type with what? 24 hours. Right? And then you type with what? Uh, 38. So the number will be uh, what? 25 or something, right? Two five, uh, I mean, two million five hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the number again? Uh, let me do the calculation. Two five six. Two five nine two. Zero zero zero. Okay, so it's the uh, two million uh, five hundred thousand uh, requests uh, every every month. It's not a lot of uh, you know requests. I mean, this is just uh, average. And we remember we put in uh, this uh, half a okay, million. Okay. The and we say that uh, 100 for the execution time. For the execution time. Okay. Oh, this and is an average. Uh, to be fair, uh, we don't put in the free tier. Oh, okay. The free tier, I mean the first million will be free. So if you put free tier here, uh, then you see the cost will be much cheaper. I mean, nothing uh, much for you to pay actually, right? So, uh, we have the number of requests, uh, the cost for number of requests, and then we have the, uh, the run time. It's more like zero already, right? So, uh, to be fair, don't do free here. So, if uh, you don't do free here, you have to pay about like uh, $83 a month for this card service. Cheap, right? For any application, this is, this is considered very, very cheap. Remember, I mean, this is uh, full availability. Uh, highly fault tolerant and very high availability. So this this one can be four nine because Amazon service is four nine, right? So you can assume this one is four nine also. So it's available. It's highly available. It's fault tolerant. It's scaled automatically, and you have to pay this amount of money. It's, it's just I mean it's less than a cup of coffee. I mean cup of coffee. I mean the, the coffee is okay. cheaper than this one. Right? Yeah, you imagine your, your service you have to pay this much. So for startup, I mean this is amazing. You wait for what you need to actually. And if you put in the free tier, I mean, uh, I mean it's, it's uh, more than nothing. It's nothing, right? But if you put in, uh, let's say, a lot of uh, execution here, let's say, you know, you have uh, 200 million, sorry, 20 million, for example. It is 20 million yet? Okay. And you see the cost can be more. Right, so in this case, if you have no free tier, uh, the cost is, is very high. But if you have a lot of requests, you have more calls, right? So in this case, I mean, but remember, again, this is a highly scalable solution. It's highly scalable. So however, I mean, whatever the number of requests, you still can handle it. And now let's look at uh, the other option. Anyone got a number for Vimoto? How much you have to pay for Vimoto? So let me show you the news, the same number again. It's about 2 million, about 2 million, 5, uh, 6 something, right? Right. Okay, so this is, uh, this is the cost here, I mean, it's not the exact same number. But, uh, yeah, this is more or less like the cost that we get. How about Vivoto, how much you got? Per month? Vivoto, you can do the same calculation you had to calculate last time, right? Is it here? Uh, it's somewhere, I mean. Uh, can this one go away, please? It's not uh, voice control, right? It's okay. Okay, so if you do B Voto, uh, you see that uh, this is the calculator we use for last time, and you have to pay about $10 per month, $11 per month. So compared to $2 plus, I mean, this is way more. But remember here, uh, wait, wait, let me show this one. 
let's say to one instance, right? One instance of history, but if you want to have auto scaling, you have to pay for this much. I didn't want to do this. Even if you use serverless, right, and you have 20 million, it might be cheaper than this. I should not use it. I would have to use this and it's okay. I mean, it's easy to use. So you see that uh, for one instance, which is the minimum, the pair minimum, and this one instance, it won't survive a very, very uh, simple loss attack. Remember, if you pay for, uh, let's say, uh, five minutes, this one can crash right away. Without auto scaling, this one would die right away. Because there's only one instance. But you have to pay this much. For lambda, you, you won't die because why? It would scale automatically. The more requests coming in, the more server you have, the more uh, server that provider has to provision to handle the request. So, lambda comes with auto scaling. It's highly available also. And this one is just one, one instance. It can crash right away. So you have to wait much more. What's the point? Okay. And how about EC2? Let me look at uh, EC2, the cause. I mean, you can do a Google search uh, for the uh, TC nano, right? So just search for this. Uh, no, it's not this one. Uh, go away this one. You want to go away. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, you can do a search for EC2 Python and you can uh, scroll down or you can do a search here, I mean control F for, for the uh, T3. Control F, does it work? No, control F over a new, a new terminal which is not something I want to do. Right, so you can find out the uh, T3 nano, what's the cost for T3 nano? I don't know this one again. Can anyone tell me the cost that you have for T3 uh, nano? It's here, right? Nano is here. So you have to pay this much for uh, for hour, for one hour. And then you can't with uh, 30, sorry, uh, 34 hours a day and 30 days, right? So what's the cost? Nobody got a calculator? Or to bring your calculator into the exam. You need to bring the calculator into the in case you have to do this kind of thing. So uh, we have about a four dollar plus, right? I think four, four to five dollar. Is it four to five dollar? Right. So it's more expensive than lambda, right? Uh, but remember, for this T two T three nano, you have only one server, and it can crash any time. You can uh, you can kill this one easily. I mean, just one server, it died right away. It's very similar to to Vivaldi, and it's not highly available. I mean, to kill the server, I mean, the application is down. So you see that if you have a, a new service, it's a very good, you know, very compelling option for you to go for lambda. If you have something from scratch, if you have no idea whether the user wants to use your service or not, it's a good idea to go for lambda. Because uh, it's unpredictable, right? I mean, you can scale down to zero. Nobody use it, right? If you have a lot of traffic, you, you may accordingly. But by that time, you should have, uh, you know, enough capital to build up, you know, your own proper, you know, data center. Let's say you have a few cluster. Uh, by that time. So, so if you don't know how much traffic you are going to handle, it's good to go with, uh, with Lambda to, to handle all these kind of auto scaling and, uh, and high availability. So let me uh, go through the solution with you again. So here we have three options. So the first option for T3 Nano, remember this is only one instance, you have to pay this much. And uh, Bwoto, you have to pay this much. But for Lambda, you have to pay only this much. And it's uh, almost nothing when you come back. Yes, any question? For, for lambda, you need to pay for the 
you need to pay for. Yeah, if you have a gateway, then you have to pay for that. So, so the cost can be different. So the, the T3 comes with the gateway. Yeah, T3 comes with the gateway. I mean, the gateway is there. I mean, you serve your web application on that one. Yes, and then that's a good point. So for Lambda, it's these features for the computation. So if you want to add in all, all the components, of course, you have to pay a bit more. But uh, again, if you have a new service, you're not sure about the cost. It's still a good option. Uh, because uh, it's not even a fair comparison in this case. When you compare the T3 to Lambda, it's not fair also. Why? Because the T3 is just six minutes of CPU. Uh, we, it has a credit system. And after six minutes of uh, intensive usage, right, you have no more to use. And you have more load, I mean, uh, yeah, that. Your, your, your service is uh, it's not a fair comparison because uh, the Lambda, it comes with everything. Uh, with system admin, with uh, redundancy, with monitoring, with scaling. So of course, uh, it's, it's easier I mean, uh, to see that this is not even a fair comparison. Even if you edit the gateway, of course, the cost will be higher. Uh, but uh, if, you have, uh, if you have no idea about your traffic, it can be a good option for you to try out. So um, <coughs> when you look at Lambda, it's more or less a complete solution for, for auto-scaling for, for high availability. Any questions? Okay. So now you want to try, you want to convert your, your group project into Lambda. So it's something that can uh, surprise everyone. It's a very, you know, very good delighter. Yeah, it's a delighter. But uh, you have no time for this. It's not easy to, to write, you know, to write whole application in Lambda at this point in time. Maybe you can try again if you want to take a course on next semester. Okay, so uh, yeah, so the Lambda option can be uh, reserved for your, um, you know, for your um, junior. You ask them to do so. Okay, so uh, let's move on and uh, compare uh, Lambda to other approaches. So uh, recently we, we have heard a lot about our container management. So this is a very good software to, to handle container management. So this is more like an option for you, I mean, uh, to uh, simplify application deployment. So this can be considered more or less a middle ground between the uh, server pool, where you have to manage everything, and serverless, where you have to manage, uh, I mean, very little for you to do any management. But remember, for, for this uh, kind of a container management service, uh, it's still charged by resource. <coughs> so again, it's not truly made as you would. So even if uh, your application has no user, you still have to pay for, for the whole service, uh, which can be uh, significant also. And uh, you have heard about uh, backend as a service. So when you do mobile development, and you have this uh, service, so everything behind the scene, let's say DB, uh, authentication, uh, storage management. So these are backend as a service. So this is um, this can be considered a serverless offering also, um, but it can be used uh, together with a function as a service. Right? So you can have function as a service at the uh, the execution uh, logic and the backend as a service as your database. Right? So these two, they can work uh, together. So they are not, um, they are different, but uh, they can be used uh, together in an application. So why do we want to go to uh, serverless? It's easy to see, right? Because uh, the cost uh, is a problem. I mean, uh, yeah, we have to, uh, if we have to pay less, right? I mean, if you can pay less, why not? And uh, there are more opportunities for the cloud provider when it's uh, can improve, you know, uh, resource utilization. Right? Can do more consideration of a uh, virtual machine. Okay. And for user, of course, uh, 
you don't have to look at the infrastructure that's already a plus point already. You don't have to do any IT management. Uh, saving, a lot of saving, okay. So you see that uh, Netflix, uh, they use a lot of uh, Lambda, so that they are one of the, the biggest uh, proponents for, for, for serverless computing. So they use it in uh, video encoding. So let's say when user, I mean, when they upload a new video onto uh, the cloud, right? So the Lambda function will be executing to convert the video into a different uh, encoding. So they use it a lot in their production system. And you see that uh, whenever you buy something from the vending machine, right, uh, behind the scene, you know, they have a system running on the to, to keep track of the stock of these all the vending machines uh, uh, globally. So they just uh, move from, you know, the uh, EC2 instant into uh, a serverless option. So they save a lot of money in the process as well. So this is something you have to consider. Okay. Any questions so far? So we see a lot of uh, good things about serverless. So you should go uh, jump right in and use it right away. Uh, not really, it's still not very easy to do uh, to implement serverless application. It's, it's the same thing as uh, the cloud uh, 10 years ago, but they are improving. Right. So um, <coughs> now the bad news, it's not easy to do to implement application. So when you have to share the state, remember this is totally stateless. So whatever you want to do in the invocation, you have to save into storage. So let's say in your function you do the you do this a uh, plus plus right increase the value by one. You have to save this to a storage uh, service. Let's say EBS for example. So this is the elastic uh, block storage on uh, Amazon. So you got to to save the the, the result into a uh, persistent storage to be used for the second invocation. So this is something uh, challenging because uh, it's hard for you to share the state for for the application. And then you have to look for, for the storage, which is not very cheap also. If you want something uh, cheap, it's not very fast. Right? If you want to have um, very fast uh, storage, it's not uh, very cheap. Right? So it's, it's a problem for, for serverless application now. It's not easy to implement this kind of uh, uh, state uh, sharing until you have to use storage. Another problem is the uh, coordination. So let's say you, know, you have two tasks, okay? and uh, the task one finish. Right, so let's say you have task A and B here, so you have A, right? you have task B here. So you need a, a way to know that uh, B is done. So B produces uh, B right into a file, let's say this is the uh, uh, file, right? and I want to use it for A. I have no idea uh, how to do this in, in serverless. You need to have a way to notify, to notify the application. Because A and B are two different functions. They can run on totally different servers. So uh, after the function B finish, you need to notify A that I'm done with uh, writing the file. Now you can go and do some whatever processing you want on that file. Okay. So this case, I mean, uh, in uh, serverless, because uh, there's no easy way for you to, to handle the coordination. It, it's a problem. The function can run anywhere in the cloud, in totally different machine, and they have no relationship to, to each other in any way. Right, so uh, if you want to do notification, it's uh, slow, and uh, this is uh, still an area of research uh, currently. Uh, normally, you have to use, you have to write to, to the storage. But you see that uh, for, for the storage, right, let's say if you want fast, uh, one millisecond, less than one millisecond, the capacity cost is, is uh, less also, right? And the performance is high. Uh, it's not available yet for, for serverless. This is the EBS uh, storage on Amazon. 
And uh, currently, we, we cannot use this for, for serverless programming. If you want to use the S3, right, uh, it's a key value. Uh, it's uh, very cheap, right? Cheap here, right? But um, <coughs> the performance, I mean, is, is a problem also. So the performance latency is very high. This is not suitable for, for, your, for your function. Uh, so you want something that uh, very fast, uh, very cheap, and uh, currently this kind of option is not available. So we still have some problem before we can get there. Before you can write, you know, everything in, in a serverless application. But I, I believe that we are, we are getting there. It's just like a cloud, you know, 10 years ago, it's, it's not easy to use. But now everyone uses it and it's very easy to use. So uh, this is the uh, evolution of our cloud computing. And sooner or later, you see no server anymore. You just have to write your application. The rest would be uh, handled by, by the cloud provider. You don't have to care about going to machine or anything else. OK. Any question for you? Look OK? So um, another problem would be the, uh, um, the communication. Remember, we run the functions you know, individually. So the whole application can have many, many different functions. Right? So your application can be having many, many different functions. And they can run anywhere in the cloud. So one function can be running at this machine. Another one can run at another machine. If uh, one uh, function wants to send a message to all these, right? You have to send to each of them individually. So you have to send a message to uh, this guy, send a message to this guy, you have to send to this guy, have to send to this guy, and so on. So you have to do this over the network. So you have to send, let's say you have 10 different functions, you have to send 10 messages. Which is not something you want to do, right? It's uh, too much for the communication. Uh, if you use a VM, it's easier because uh, let's say you have two VM, as in the uh, diagram we have here, we have two VM here, and in one VM we have uh, uh, two functions. Right. So we, if we use VM, if you want to send to everyone from here, right, you just have to send to the VM. You just have to send to the virtual machine, and within the virtual machine is internal, I mean inter-process communication, which is something uh, way. Uh, easier and faster compared to uh, network communication. You have to send only two messages, right? But if you do function as a service, right, you have to send to this guy, you have to send to this guy, this guy, and this guy. So the more, you have more messages for you to send. So uh, it's a problem for, for communication. Right, so um, uh, we are still working on uh, many issues, many um, ways to uh, address the problem, so we have to do this directly. So you let the function, they talk to each other, right? It'll be easier. Or you can optimize the placement, so the function, if they are related, right? In the same application, you can place on the same virtual machine. But this is still a research area right now. So we don't have any uh, good solution yet. Okay, so uh, yeah, the last issue would be, any problem for you, sorry? Anything you want to clarify? Moving a bit too fast, please. Right, so we have uh, a number of issues with uh, the, the latency because the first time you run the function can be slow. Right. So you got to maintain a pool of instance to be uh, ready to serve the request. So this is very similar to a uh, uh, virtual machine solution already. Right, so, but this is a problem for the cloud provider, it's not for the users anyway. So you have to maintain the, uh, uh, the, the, the pool of instances to serve any request coming in. 
And uh, remember that uh, because you move your function into the cloud, it can go anywhere. So if your function is lucky, it can go to a very good machine, very new one, so it can run very fast. If you go to a, an older server, of course, uh, the problem, uh, the, the performance will be uh, affected. Also, so the placement, the variation in terms of the hardware can be a problem for, for, for serverless as well. Okay. So we have uh, summarized the, uh, the pros and cons of uh, serverless, and uh, I, I still believe that this is the way to go uh, for the future. So within the next maybe five years, we see that uh, most applications can be uh, implemented in uh, serverless options. And uh, so we use this in uh, ESM. Uh, we should because well, it's not one size fits all, but uh, we have very minimal, very very little downside. The more automation, the better it can run. So the more automation, you have to do less in terms of maintenance, right? And you have more uh, capacity, more security. You see, we're moving from a physical machine all the way to uh, uh, to virtual machine. Now we are here. Uh, with a container as well, so we are right at this point now. And we are moving to, to serverless options in the future. So uh, sooner or later we'll get there. And uh, uh, by the time we have everything in serverless, we may have uh, you know, no ops, meaning we have, we have to do nothing in terms of uh, IT, uh, infrastructure operation and management. Right. So uh, it, it's a good way to keep the application away from the infrastructure. So you can cut down in terms of uh, IT operation management. Okay. Right, so um, uh, just to summarize, uh, but serverless is not a no operation. It's just a good way to, uh, to uh, reduce your distraction. Let's say auto-scaling is a distraction. Uh, high availability is, an, is a distraction. Infrastructure security is a, is a distraction, right? So, um, but you still have to uh, ensure that uh, your solution is, uh, I mean, high performance, right? it has to be secure, it has to be resilient, and so on. So these are the actual concerns uh, during the operation. If you don't have these concerns anymore, then your solution shouldn't be there, right? I mean, if it's not unique enough, you can put everything into the cloud, and you don't have to do anything. I mean, uh, you shouldn't have any reason for your solution to be there anymore. Right? So you still have to to uh, look after you know the, the concern, the actual operational concern uh, for your solution. Serverless can take away the distraction, but not the actual, the unique concern of your solution. Okay, right. So uh, yep, yeah, nothing much. Then move on to uh, the activity. Last activity for today, we have a hands-on activity. So anyone can tell me this is a concern or this is a distraction? You see this before? You look into your windows, uh, then follow you have, uh, you know, the, the, the system 32. So somebody say, if you delete uh, the, the, the system 32, right, your computer will be faster. Try that. Come to that, I mean, you have to reinstall the whole computer. It's a concern, or is it, it is a distraction. It's a distraction. You don't want to, to be involved in this kind of management. You don't want to, to be involved in this kind of IT problem. You want to focus on your application. Okay? So with no question, we can move on to the hands-on activity. You can do this uh, through the break. So you can go uh, for maybe, uh, uh, what time we have to do the activity? Uh, sorry, the uh, presentation. I think we, we have to go for maybe uh, seven minutes. Uh, but you can stay here if you want to, uh, to continue with the hands-on activity. Right.
So we have to, uh, yeah, we can go get a drink, go toilet, uh, get some food, come back and do it. Only oh, yeah, that. Okay, so we have time. Uh, we have a bit of time to go through the activity, so you can go uh, for 10 minutes. So how about nine? Uh, 55? Look okay with you? Should we not try right? I think we finish the activity within uh, 5 minutes. The hands-on activity on London. You can do it now if you want. Or you can go get something. Okay. Okay.